Introducing Mortgage Mavericks. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. All right, everybody, welcome to Mortgage Matters. It's March 11th. We got Dan here. Woohoo! It's the two <laughs> of us. The, uh, yeah, excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Woo! You're all pumped up. Got the, uh, you saw your commercial last night on Wheel of Fortune. Sure did. Yep. Pretty excited. Well, we got a t- one of those. TV things. Huh? Yeah, we well, are now the official sponsor of the Open House Directory on KSBY.com. Wow, awesome! What's yeah. the Open House Directory? You say? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> it's a it's a place. It's a free resource wow. actually for realtors. It's really a, a cool tool. Um, it's it's a place where realtors can go list um, open house property or properties that are. Um, on open house over the weekend, they can list them all week long. Mm-hmm. Um, people can go there and check and see what you know, kind of plan out their their weekend house hunt, and go see some of the houses that are for sale on the central coast. Yeah, it makes it a kind of a concise and easy way to figure out a geographic area. You know, because yeah. not all of us are looking to live anywhere in the county. You know, and there's you know it, upwards of fifty open house listings per weekend. So, Might there be some audio up there that we could find and audio. Well, we were just talking about yeah. the commercial that we can maybe that we could put over. It's, you know, just it's audio of, heavy, so maybe we can just maybe it'll make a good radio so commercial. You know, Saturday's heavy open house day. There it is. <clears throat> and there are 45 homes entered into there we go. the open house directory this morning. Yeah. Some nice homes, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You can click through the, you know, if you find a listing you like, you can click through to the real estate agent. Um, you know, you, I, they can point it to wherever, but, you know, it goes to either the, the company page or that specific listing page. That's right. What might this uh, web page be? It's just on ksby.com, uh, their open house directory. It's under the community tab, or sometimes there's banner ads where you can just click right the, the banner the ad page. for I saw the it right open on house the front directory. Page. The Central Coast Lending logo caught my eye. So. Yeah, it's a it's a high, it's a high quality actually. graphic. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we really spent some time last year making those a little fancier. I thought it was funny too because each time they produced something, somehow they were using the old graphic. Yeah, I know. And I would look at it and go, it "Looks great." And then you would email back and go, "Can you use the new graphic?" And I'm like, "How can you even tell that? I can't tell. What's how do you tell?" Well, because they just took the logo off of the, you know, the banner of our website, and it's got other elements tied oh, into the logo. Tied, it's not yeah, just the logo standing it. alone. Okay. So that was one thing. Plus, there's the little cut the blue color lines in the old logo, and they're not in the new logo. Got it. Anyway, fancy little stuff. things. But yeah, we're happy to be a part of the open house directory. Um, we think it's a it's a great resource. I mean, hands down, it's one more place that sellers can can put their home up for the public to see and. 
Yeah. It's uh, it, like I said, it's free to everyone to use. Thanks to thanks to us, really. I mean, <laughs> right. we're sponsoring it, so all it's free you, to you. All you got to do is find somebody else to pay for it, and <laughs> right. then it's free. Yeah, perfect. Oh man, hey, uh, a wild ride this week again in the old uh, stock market, bond market, um, interest rates. These interest rates now are at 2017 high. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. I'm being trained now to think like those, you know, the national headline writers. Right. The highest level seen yet in 2017. Granted, we're not even through the first quarter yet. But, yeah, it's um, true. That 10 year. 10-year Treasury yield keeps creeping on up. It's oh. getting knocking on the door at 2.6. Yesterday, it was, I mean, I saw it at 2.61. It closed oh, at 2.58. Yeah. So just just right there, well, which is now, definitely the upper end of the range. Uh, it, it, it's setting a new range now, it's, it feels like. It busted through that 250 level. We've got now expectations for next week's Fed meeting are up to like 90% chance of a rate hike. I know. What a difference a couple weeks can make. Yeah. You know, in, did you notice too this week on the, you know, on the television and in the paper, I saw it online, um, when the ADP number came out, that's the you know the nation's largest payroll. They do so much of the payroll that there's a there's a often scrutinized correlation between their number and what the actual employment jobs created number will be. Um, and sometimes it's spot on. Sometimes it's so far off it's hard to understand. Um, but did you notice that this week that that number was enough to spur on talk and rally and movement in the market. And then actually it sort of paved the way that the actual jobs report almost seemed a little bit disappointing when all kind the of. data came out on Friday. Yeah. Cause that ADP report was up over 250, right? It was like 260, 270, 280, something like that. It was, uh, it was a good, I got to pull up my notes. It was like 289 or yeah, something. That's it, was what a, it, was. it was a huge number. And then, and then I even saw, um, probably on Facebook or something, right? But I saw like President Trump basically saying, you know, told you we were going to create jobs. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, buddy, do you not know that that ADP number is like, yeah, it's an indicator for us, but it's not the one we all like go quote. That's not the one we take to the front page headlines. It's more like a, you know, it's like a soft reading that, like I said, oftentimes it's so different that your mind is blown. How could you have said so? I mean, and, and this week was kind of a good example of that. It's And it's a weird thing because it seems to overshadow a pretty good jobs report, but it's almost like, well, compared to ADP, then it was boring. Yeah. You know, it was disappointing. We weren't, we weren't quite as thrilled as we um, really should have been. Uh, so the jobs report, we expected to create 200,000 jobs. So that's what economists had predicted. Um, ADP came out saying that we would have 289,000 jobs. By the time the dust settles in the actual employment report, we had 235,000 jobs. So it was, a, it was a bit better than what was expected, but much less than you know what we were led to believe from the ADP number. Yeah. So, but then, still good. I mean, it's 
it feel it felt like we had a good run of of job creation exceeding 200,000 per month there back in 2015 2016 the pace backed off a little bit more in the 180s 170s um now we've had a couple of strong ones in a row again you want to hear one of these headlines from market watch yesterday treasury yields fall as hourly wage reading disappoints the the hourly wage reading was um plus 0.2 percent hasn't that been pretty normal lately i mean i feel like that's a the, what we're saying every month i think we had a few months ago it was flat but plus 0.2 percent yeah it's just not exciting you know it's not a it, it's not that eye-grabbing number you know because that annualizes out to about two and a half percent yeah which is is great but when you're when you're targeting uh economic growth of three to four percent you know that's you're actually underperforming when sure. it comes to wage growth well and you know that wage growth part of it is like the precursor to inflation and so once you see you know you got jobs you got a good imp- employment or unemployment rate i should say you got you got things all working in the right direction then you see the wage growth occur and that lets you know that inflation is coming right once it starts costing more to produce distribute sell you know ultimately then it leads to costing more to buy that's really been the thing that the fed's been so focused on remember every single month every time they made statement they were saying that they were disappointed that the target inflation, that they were so far from the target inflation and not reaching it. Um, And so we're just, we're still not quite there. And so a good jobs report, better than expectation, but without seeing, again, any real wage growth, it leads you to believe that you're still not on track to be seeing the kind of inflation that they're expecting. Well, it starts to make you wonder, you know, is there really a large population of people that want to work that kind of float in and out of the um, workforce, the labor force that we see fluctuate from month to month. Or, it's hard for me to believe that's true. And is I, it a, if there is that population of people, is it significant or is it just, you know, a few hundred thousand people, which, yeah, it's a significant number. But when you talk about 330 million people in the country, it's not. Well, so, what's the... I've, Whenever I hear that, that's an interesting um, argument to suggest, but whenever I hear that, I wonder, who are these people? Are you independently wealthy and can elect to work or not based on the employment climate? And then once you, because I'm picturing now me interviewing you, what have you been up to for 24 months, Dan? Well, I've been walking the dog a lot lately. I just can't get paid what I feel like I'm worth, you know, and I don't have cable, so I'm saving money there. You know, I'm like, I look at that person and it's like, really, what have you been doing? So they're what? They're they're day traders or they they toil in being self-employed. Yeah, but you know, the reality of of a lot of the country is that housing prices aren't crazy, you know, crazy high like they are here everywhere. It's not like that in parts of this country I mean, there's, there's places where you can buy houses for 30 40 50 grand you know and okay what's, but at the same time but what's i mean you you no buy one's that making house, money there either yeah but you don't need to make a lot of money you can go you know be well, the newspaper guy for your community and buy a house and you know you can do i i don't know i don't know no, if, because I, there's I don't still think, minimum wages and things like that i don't think that's where 
the like underemployment people are though. Yeah. And then in the house, the town where you're buying thirty thousand dollar houses, is that the guy we're concerned about as we track this metric? Is like he's waiting. That guy is waiting for the labor market to be lucrative enough to hop back in. Well, I just I, I guess my point is that I, I keep waiting for this point in the hiring cycle where um where we're gonna reach a point where there there's no one out there left who wants a job needs a job but doesn't have one so i have to just start paying more money to attract people who are hired elsewhere to come and move over to my company there's your wage growth and then you're going to see wage growth but that's not or, happening or your employee comes to you and says hey the old widget factory down the street's got to have me and now i need a 10% raise from you or i'm going right but that doesn't seem to be happening it seems like these we keep finding people who were who are not working or something, and they need then they get hired, but there's no there's when no I'm, upward pressure on wages. It's when I was weird. in Hawaii last fall, I think I already told you about this guy, but we ran into this guy. Um, there's a there's this chain of stores in Hawaii called um, Boss Frogs, and they rent snorkel gear, right? Logs. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. a there's a, a shack, right? These places are like six or eight hundred square feet shack just full of snorkel gear. And you can rent them for, you know, eight to twenty five bucks a week, depending on the quality and stuff you want. But anyway, this this guy in there and he's like kind of pigeon speak, dude. He's like, Hey brada, you know, this is a total white guy. It's like um so anyways, we got to talking because I was with my brother from San Diego. This dude used to live in Carlsbad. And so we were like, how did you end up out here? And he's like, oh, I followed a girl. Like, how'd that go? He's like, man. You know, <laughs> so like, well, what are you doing now? You're like, you know, he told us he went to San Diego State and got a degree in economics. And I'm like, so then now you're working at Boss Frogs on Kauai, like snorkel gear. And he's like, yeah, just... I'm never going to be able to pay off my student loans, and I just, you know, I got out of the rat race, and I'm real happy here just getting to sit on a beach and make enough money to eat and travel. And, huh? Trippy. So maybe it's those guys. Maybe. And then once they start looking around and they go, hey, you can make a hundred grand again, I'm going to hang up the flipper business for a minute and go get back into the job market. Maybe. Maybe that's it. I don't know, man. That's what I always wonder, though. Where are they? I, In my life, I don't really know those people. I don't know anybody that's hanging out waiting for a good opportunity. Right. Yeah, I don't either. Most people I know are working, um, wish they made more money, right? Doesn't everybody that works want more money? Even if you're self-employed, you want to make more money. So... You're, yeah, you're hoping that your wages go up, and if that means that you had to go to another company, you know, I don't know. Like most of the people I know, it's almost like the opportunity has to drop right in their lap. Otherwise, they just stay doing what they're doing. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I did see, though, that they yesterday I was watching some news reports um, on one of the network channels that was saying that the underemployment rate was closer to 9.8%. Uh, you know, of people that were working less than full time and or working for less than they were worth because they couldn't find the job that challenged them. This is like where your architect now is working in the blueprint, the blueprint shop, 
copying blueprints for people instead of drafting them because right. he doesn't have work, you know, doing the design. So, yeah. so that's your U6 number, your most, you know, trying to get everybody in there. So yeah, that's that's probably a more accurate reading of what unemployment looks like. There's been a lot of talk of employment over the last couple of weeks. I know there was the joint Congress, what, two, a week and a half ago, where, you know, Trump's in front of everyone saying there's 94 million people out of work. And that's that's not exactly right. That's that's like everyone 16 and over. There's sure. there's a lot of people that are 16 and over that are not working for another reason. Maybe they're maybe, counting me maybe and they you retired. as out of work. Maybe maybe they're in school <laughs> or something like that. So that's not the real unemployment number. That's kind um, of a broad number of well, that's a just range of that's ages literally too. counting the population of people over the age of 16 yeah. and everybody who's not working. That could be 16 I mean, to 16 right. to. Well, a 80, lot of a lot of us 100. have grand, grandparents that aren't working, and that's yeah. it's a choice thing. It's not something that they've been forced out of the workforce. I do recall, though. Remember the '99ers at the beginning of the recession? We had this thing where once you were employed for ninety unemployed for ninety nine weeks, they moved you over into the column of being um, retired. Yeah. So you were counted now as retired as opposed to unemployed, and there was. There was a fair amount of that. Like basically, once you were out of the job market for long enough, you almost like we we can't keep counting you, bud. You're you're laying down the stats, and so you just kind of let those people at that in the long range into the spectrum slough off. And maybe so maybe the truth lies in the middle somewhere, Dan. There's there's people. Well, and I think that's the point of U six. I think that's a more accurate reading. Although you know. If, Someone who's been out of work for two years. I mean, what? Like you said, how are they getting what by? What are you doing? Yeah. Do you trust fund? You have a In little bit case, of money I don't saved. Care. And, if you if you're living off a trust fund and work is now optional, I don't need. I don't even want to be counting you in our work metric anymore. Anyway. Yeah. You're financially independent. That's as good as being self-employed. So, you know, like I said, are they are they counting me and you in that stat? We got our company that we worked for in 2007 went out of business. I never got unemployment benefits and you never got unemployment benefits. We went and started a company. So are we just counted in that metric? Hey, I wonder what happened to those guys. No, because we report no. we report wages. Yeah, I'm sure. So. That is probably what they're all adding up, right? In the, yeah. In the month, they go back and look. They look at all the social security numbers that, that had income assigned to them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, definitely, I, I think a strong report. I did um, catch wind of one part of weakness of the report, which was retail. The retail sector actually saw a 26,000 uh, person decline in employment. Which is kind of odd and kind is of is it with increasing minimum wage? I saw one of the yeah. fast food chains again had moved over to a kiosk type of setup that was replacing and with people online with yeah, online. So sales. more of us are shopping online, and more of us are having um, those automated interactions. I mean, look at two. I don't know if this would is counting in the same sector, but same thing with bank. Like if you look at the big bank model, more and more people are fully accepting being an online bank and just functioning online. I mean, this is why we keep seeing about branch closures and the consolidation Dude, of this. It's how often do you go to a bank? 
A bank branch. I feel like I have to go to a bank at times, and then it bugs me that I... Why do I need to go there? I complained about it a few weeks ago. If they would just let me take pictures of checks larger than $5,000, then I would probably never need to go to the bank. I mean, because for the most part, you can do mobile deposits, you can do your online bill pay, you can transfer, you can check balances, balance your checkbook, you can do anything and everything you want from your computer or your phone. That's generally the only time I need to go into the bank is that I'm, I need to go in there to like physically purchase a cashier's check or I'm going in there because I have to deposit a check or multiple checks that they can't accommodate through the, the digital process. And then, so, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, um, with retail changing, you can see why that would 58, be down. 58,000 of the jobs created were in the construction industry. That was leading um, the way. That was good. That was the most in a decade. And, of course, they, they cited some, some good weather. Um, this tied in the stat that last month was the second warmest February since 1895. So that might be why we got more dudes in boots and hard hats out there getting counted in that metric. Um so anyway, they're, they're already sort of foreshadowing that that might be hard to sustain. So next month, you, you might almost see that there was some inflation in that number here and that it may not be so great. Yeah, um, but this, I, I think this is a great, I mean, it's a strong start. It's, you know, it shows that we're still, um, we still, I, I think what it's evidence of is that there, we're still not quite to a, a full employment. There's there's enough people out there that we can hire 200 plus thousand people and we don't have to do it by offering people more money. Right. You know, so that's <laughs> there's still a little totally. bit of room to go before we you know turn that corner towards the the wage pressure cycle of hiring here. So and that's what we're all looking forward to. And all in all, this jobs report seems to have completely solidified that the feds are going to raise rates next week. Um, and you know, I, I said it a little bit last week. I saw even more articles this week talking about how if they didn't take the opportunity to raise rates when things are looking so good that it could be something that would be regretted later. So now it's just, I mean, it's, it's almost across the board. It's, it's north of 80%. It's a, it's about a 90% likelihood the feds are raising rate next week. So we see it. It's already priced in. It's a little bit disappointing, but um, you know, onward to the the big boom cycle, huh? That's right. Hey, let's go ahead and do the uh, first commercial break here of the show. Take some time out to thank the sponsors, and uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I get you. Got it. I get you. you. Got it. Yeah. Got to set the clocks forward tomorrow. I know. Tomorrow's the one I don't necessarily like. Yeah. Well, I like the long evenings after tomorrow. Yeah, that's. But nice. I don't like the change tomorrow. Do we lose the hour? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We yeah. Lose we, the hour? we lose the hour. Yeah. This is the bad. Yeah. Like. Yeah. My kids are not. In a Tascadero Unified School District, and they're not having school on Monday. It's like a teacher in service day. So I feel like that's going to help smooth it out a little bit. Yeah. Mm. I always. Because basically, you're going to wake up at your usual time, and then it's going to like be dark. It's going to be, yeah. Dark. And then you're like, wait, what's happening? Uh This sets your day off crazy. Yeah. But the evenings are awesome. Yeah. I actually went to Laughlin for a couple of days this week. You did? So you drive across. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Did, did. you drive to Laughlin? Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good huff. It's a good huff. But, you know, it's easy when I've done it a couple of times. It's not that bad. What'd you but, do? Um, just went and checked out a couple of things over there. I actually more went to, like, Route 66 stuff, you know, like just outside of it. That was a lot of fun. But it's kind of funny because you'll be walking along the Colorado River in Arizona. It's like still an hour ahead of us. Yeah. So you would be walking along the Colorado River and you move like 10 feet and your your cell phone will change time. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's just like, well, what time really is it? You know, but anyway, but uh, yeah, I kind of wish we were just like Arizona where we'd just leave it alone. But anyway, right? Hmm. It'd be less confusing. Yeah, it was. Because we were like saying, because we had the friend, uh, friends that live in Arizona. So I was like, okay, so we're going to meet for dinner at five o'clock, but is that our time or your time? Yeah. You have to, do, our the, time. You have to do the James Bond. Yeah. Thing yeah, where yeah, you yeah. Synchronize so, your watches. You know, so, but it was okay. It was good. Right on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Welcome yeah, back. Fun. Yeah. Thank you. Oh boy. Did we talk about that? Uh, if if this was mentioned on the show last week, it was breezed over and not um, just not quite as detailed as it should have been. 
course, now we're looking at, I'm going to give you some data that's for the initial jobless claims, not from this Thursday, but the previous Thursday. Did you see that? The initial jobless claims um, two Thursdays ago came in at 223,000. Lowest since 1973? Yeah, right? Yeah, we talked about it. Okay. It still is really impressive to me. And then so the numbers came out this Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they went up a little bit. I mean, 243. And now all of a sudden that's like disappointing. <laughs> it's 20,000 more than the previous week. Uh, but 243,000 initial jobless claims in the week is crazy low. And it still puts that four-week moving average um, down, you know, at the 236,500 claims mark, which is incredible for that four-week average. Um, so that was one of the other things as you're kind of wading through. And by the way, I finally got located in my notes that ADP number, the payroll number, was 298,000. Okay. I kept saying 289. So yeah, it was all it was calling for basically 300,000 jobs. And so that's why when the true number comes out better than expected, you know, at 220 is disappointing. Yeah. And just just to put the jobless claims number into perspective, back in 2000 Three, four, five, six, when things felt as if they were just booming, um, we were experiencing jobless claims on a weekly basis of about 250,000. So yeah, I, this I, is this is a good number. It sounds like a lot of people. It's a good number of, of jobless claims in a week. It, it's healthy. It's normal. Um, so that's that's why we don't even talk about it that much anymore. Yeah, it, it almost became, you know, something not worth talking about. And now yet here it is again as it's touching down to these lows, <laughs> that year lows. you haven't even seen in your lifetime. Yeah. That's impressive. That's yeah, so um eventually here the wages have to go up, right? This seems like this is where this conversation ends for us after every jobs report. Man, it's felt like about two years I've been expected as that yeah. as that unemployment rate got closer and closer to you know, five and you know, six and then five percent. I thought, man, at any point here, this we're gonna start to see wages any day go now. higher. Any day now. You're it's, gonna have to yeah. you're gonna run out of people to hire and you're gonna have to pay more to keep the people you have and then offer more lucrative wages to recruit people away from the job they have. Yet not we happening just keep yet. turning in these months where they're oh, we scratched up another two hundred thousand people that are willing to work for the minimum. Yeah. <laughs> It's wild. Yeah, it's a that's a trip. So uh yeah, anyway. The feds are meeting up next week on the fourteenth and fifteenth. What does that make? Monday and Tuesday or is that Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday. Tuesday, so Wednesday, Wednesday, eleven AM we'll have um we'll have a decision. And now you start for the last like uh I don't know, year now, we start getting the the news channels to run like a ticker countdown to the Fed meeting. <laughs> You know, where they're going to tell you the announcement. And then all of a sudden, it's like whoever can come out with it the fastest. They've elected to raise rates by a quarter of a point. It's very um, sensationalized now. You just, it'll be exciting. But now, now what everyone will be looking at is language changes. You know, right. is it, are they going to update the language 
um, you know, from we'll we'll continue to raise the Fed funds rate at a controlled pace. You know, some vague word to are they going to make it more specific, like on a at a quarterly rate? You know, are they going to do that? What if, if they just blow our minds and raise rates a half point? They could do that too. That's the quarter has yeah. seemed like the minimum, and so it's always like, are they going to raise rates the quarter or not? But that might be a little bit of a shock, a little unexpected. Would I it think, though? Yeah, I think everyone's expecting the the quarter point just because we're. When I, it's I, so good, though. Yeah, so good, huh? Things. I I don't know that everyone's convinced of the so good. I think there's still this this fear of of it being somewhat fragile. Really? I think so. Hmm. I don't know, man. I look at the stock market, mm -hmm. home prices, jobs reports, bond market, you know, it's hard to find like you say it's fragile. I I'm struggling to see the part of the US economy that is fragile right now. Where's the fragile part? Growth. The rates? Growth. Simply in the rates? Growth? Growth. That's the challenge of the uh the capitalist nation though is to have the ever growing GDP, you, you know, unlike other systems, it's you, if you can't get GDP to grow, you're in trouble. Like we have all these definitions for what it means if GDP is doing this or that. So you have to be growing. But if you, I mean, we're sitting here talking about lack of wage growth. And then if all of a sudden cost of borrowing goes up, you know, if, if the Fed gets crazy and decides they're going to raise it a half a point instead of a quarter... I mean, that pulls through at some point to the consumer, right? You've got things are costing more. It's it's more money to borrow for big businesses that rely on lines of credit and things like that. It costs them more now. So, so to create some inflation. But then you don't have a, a buyer being the American worker, the American consumer who's experiencing wage growth. You know, so does that for does that hurt growth? I think that's where that question of of is the economy ready for higher rates? That that's where there's that little bit of doubt that kind of creeps in and keeps us on a slower pace. I bought a one year CD yesterday for one percent. Be nice to get more than that. So maybe that's part of it, though. We talk about this like the people that are aren't being counted, those people that aren't working because they don't have to. Maybe they'd be the boost we need. They could be the shot in the arm we need if they started making real savings rates on their investments and savings accounts. Sure. Maybe they'd get out there and spend. They're clearly, you know, they're they're not needing the hourly wage, so they're probably just wishing they had some greater savings. Yeah, well, they're going to need that, you know, better return on savings to pay for the higher cost of goods since their wages aren't going to do it. Well, and then, I mean, isn't this the catch-22, though? Is that right now, since you're not earning a savings rate, do you kind of feel like, well, why save? I mean, I don't think that way. Right, but <laughs> just broader, broader brushstrokes of people here... Can't make um, me any money saving it. Might as well spend it. Yeah, but if all of a sudden tomorrow you could buy a one-year CD for 5%, do you want to do that or buy a new TV? There'd be more people would slow down their consumer sure. spending as they're going, dang, it's a good time to save. Yeah. 
So when you have that growth cycle and things getting expensive, this is why the feds want to raise rates is to slow things down a little bit. So what's happening now? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to slow down right now. So they're going to raise rates anyway just to continue attempting to normalize in case there's a problem. This is what I think is happening. That's what I think, too. There might be a problem in a year or two or three. And we don't want to come into the next problem with no um, downward ability to to drop rates. You can't go into a problem at zero. So we just am trying to take a little bit back everywhere you can, you know. The tug of war. Pull, pull, pull. At some point, you're at the end of your pull, and you got to move your hand forward. Hope you don't lose too much ground, and hopefully you can keep pulling. This is what I think that the feds are trying to do right now. Um, is to take some back. And that's one of the things that makes me think that maybe they do want to just go for a half a point. It's like if there ever was a time to do it in the last eight years, this month might be their best opportunity. Yeah. Because here, pretty quick, they're going to have to figure out what are we doing with Fannie and Freddie? What are we doing with the mortgage-backed securities that the Fed owns? What are we doing with the reinvestment of these bonds? I was reading an article this week that um, HUD, some of the budget numbers for HUD are coming out. Um, you've had you've been a part of companies before where you're tasked with reducing overhead. If you're Ben Carson now, and I don't, he's probably not. I'm sure he oversees the budget of HUD. To some degree, but he's not probably the, like, you know, dude counting. Um, Anyway, guess what the um, overhead HUD is going to have to reduce by with their new budget numbers? Isn't it like 20% or something? It's like $14 a year. It's an insane number. So anyway, I'm going to step back out of that real quick, back to my other premise. We've got... Trillions of dollars securities. We got billions of dollars a week being reinvested that we're not sure how long that's going to go on for. We got um, Fannie and Freddie is still in conservatorship since 2008, paying sweet dividends, by the way, but that obviously can't go on forever. Um, So all of these things, we have all of these to deal with, and these are big things that are going to shake up um, housing to some degree, so um, I don't know. It's, I, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But right now, when I look, I don't think like I don't feel like things feel fragile. The consumers is incredibly optimistic right now, and most of the measurements that we see are looking pretty good. It's kind of crazy, except well, for wage growth. Except for wage growth. But you know what? If you want to make more money, you're going to have to work more, get another job, or start your own business. It's easy. Simple. Get two <laughs> jobs. Maybe that's problem, man. Americans only want one job. Get two jobs. Quit whining. Grab a third one. Start an online business. How about just not sleeping at all? <laughs> Was, it was like, we're going to get some driverless cars pretty soon, so you can just sleep way. while you're driving. Yeah. Oh, I was talking about that last night with some friends, started looking it up. Those driverless cars are not safe. Right. Yeah, no, and one not. of the biggest things, this is where the argument with a friend went last night, is saying, well, the only people that have died in them have died because they went to sleep, and you're told not to go to sleep. And I'm going, you know what? 
by design, your driverless <laughs> car is inviting me to not pay attention. Right. right. And the exactly. less attention I need to pay, the more sleepy I'm going to be yeah. feeling. Yeah. So that's a false premise. And um, yeah, anyway, there were some stats that we were reading about how many yeah. miles the driverless cars have traveled. So they can add up how many miles driver-occupied cars travel, right? Mm -hmm. So then... As a percentage, uh, it's going to be it's astronomically <laughs> higher that <laughs> driverless yeah. cars are incredibly deadly, yeah. even though the They're actual small. you know how many people have died from them are really slow. Yeah, you know, really those small numbers. But um, dumb. anyway, um, did you see? Yeah, you want to break it? I was going to tell you about Warren Buffett, man. Ooh, Buffett was talking teaser. about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Oh my gosh, Great teaser! I was looking up at the clock and Such I was like, a pro. Man, "It's only fifteen minutes left. We could get through this, but okay, I'll bite. We'll do a commercial break. When we get back, I'll tell you what Warren Buffett said about Fannie and Freddie. Oh wow! All right, stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC. Are we going to hit the debt ceiling next week, these messages too? from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linux. The most critical yeah. part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers 16. are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, an article in the step paper one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. one though no wait we spring ahead we spring ahead 
Yeah. That's why the haunting one. <laughs> so 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, that's the bad part about it. I'm going to sleep right through it. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. of it. I know. Okay. Hmm. All right. Anyway, on with the show. Warren Buffett, huh? Yeah. Yeah, this big tease before the break. You got me all thinking about <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me go back to that. Now I'm over like, here and I'm pulling up stuff about the um We started talking debt. about the debt ceiling. <laughs> Is, and uh, then, of course, I saw the commander in tweet had a few things to say about it, and I'm pulling up other, and I'm going. You went down uh, the rabbit hole. Huh? Yeah. Yes, the debt limit stuff is next week. I guess we'll talk about that in the next hour because that's always fun to talk about. I was telling another hook here, boy. I was telling Dan the U.S. debt limit stuff with Congress and you know the potential shutdowns and stuff. This is where I stop and go. Wait a minute. This is this feels like crisis now. We all walk around knowing that we owe twenty trillion bucks and not quite sure how or when we're coming good on that, but. Um, that certainly isn't, uh, the greatest concern today. Doesn't it will like be it next anyway. Friday or right? Thursday. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. March 16th is when we're supposed to hit the debt ceiling. All right. Let's talk about that next hour. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, this idea about Fannie and Freddie and, and kind of where their place is in the market, um, Black Knight has been doing some studies and these kind of things, but um, I'll get to that in a second. Basically, um, most people believe that we need some sort of a public option for mortgages, right? And when I say this, I want you to think like, think about government mortgages. Uh, we got FHA, USDA, VA. Um, that's about it, right? Am I missing anything? Those are the big ones. Then on the the public side, historically, we've always had like what kind of like what banks have to offer. And they they have under some private enterprise come up with things like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to try to create some framework, all that. But this is the these are the loans that um, you know, by and large, I think are the that those public option loans, that's kind of the heartbeat of the housing market in America. Um there's a there's a handful of places to go from here, but right now, like this week, I'm hearing more and more about people that are refinancing out of the FHA loans because they have life of loan mortgage insurance. So you want to get out of that as soon as you can, and that's partly what that government model tried to do. So the government loans, they're trying to serve an underserved part of the community or a part of the community that really deserves it, right? Like think VA. These are the, you know, these are the people that men and women that have served the country. So, hey, here's a program. And one of the th reasons why there's a real need for the program is you got people that are in the services and then they get deployed. So VA, there's rules about that. And if you can mark somebody late when they're out, you know, uh, hiking artillery through the desert or something in some other continent, you can't just go mark them late and foreclose on, hey, man, we told you were late for three months and we just we didn't hear from you. So we put it at the auction and you didn't show up. So we sold your house. So that was one of the things about VA is it takes and protects that group of people that need some special consideration. 
then that presents the opportunity, right, for you to be able to go and figure out what their needs and options are, uh, all of those challenges, constraints, things that they can do. That's what VA is. On the FHA side, similarly, FHA, this one is going to try to attempt to meet the need of an underserved population. So these are people that have blemished credit, low down payment. They're, uh, you know, struggling basically to gain entry based on the higher standards of what the public options would offer. Um, and then USDA, similarly, that's under the Department of Agriculture. It's a goal of bringing financing to very low income people in rural areas. Yeah. So like those, and, and really the reason it's under the Department of Agriculture is that they, those are the people that are, you know, they're, they're driving the truck, the trucks and, you know, stuffing the lettuce in the boxes and they're doing these things in places where there isn't a whole lot of other economic opportunity. It's rural. And so we make guidelines for them that they could get loans with no down payment. Um, you know, this is by way of this program, if you, it's, a, it's attempting to serve um, an underserved part of the population. But then there's the the public sector. This is like your Fannie Mae, your Freddie Mac, um, and, and they're straddling this line right now, bizarrely, because they're <clears throat> under government um, conservatorship, but they're private enterprises for decades, and we need to decide what to do with them. So... Um, again, this, that's a little bit of background to this, but so most people believe that we do need um, a public option. So that was the first part is let yourself think about that for a minute. What happens if you just went, you know what, we're just scrapping it and all lending now in the country is going to go by way of government lending. So you can get yourself a USDA, an FHA, a VA, get in under what you qualify for, and that's the program that you get. That'd be crazy, huh? Um, nobody really wants to see that. So, yeah, anyway, they, they brought in Warren Buffett to talk a little bit about it. And he basically just says that he thinks that there's a real problem with trying to mix um, the private sector with the government because serving two masters is tough. Um, and and I, I feel like that kind of makes sense. Um but that being said, like we shared last month, the fourth quarter dividends between Fannie and Freddie to the Treasury Department was almost $10 billion. That's a crazy injection of cash for these companies. And this is why I think they haven't been quick to be turned out. Um, and in that overall scorekeeping, by the way, I think Fannie and Freddie collectively got a hundred and. 29 billion or something to this degree um, during like the TARP bailout era and have paid back 30 plus um, percent on top of the original investment. So we've all got the taxpayer that had to bail these guys out, got all of their money back and then some and continues on the and then some path. Um, so anyway, that that's going to be a really big deal is figuring out what shakes that up there. And if you think about it, these the way these quarter point discussions, look how much we talk about what the Fed is going to do next week and the stock market reacting and business reacting and all these different things. Um, when the, the real plan comes for what happens to Fannie and Freddie, that's going to have a much more significant impact than any of these quarter point things ever did. Um, and so, and then there, the part that sort of 
tied right into this too. Um, wanted to um, uh, two minutes. Two minutes, actually, minute and fifty seconds now. This ties really well into a discussion about the conforming loan limits. When you got into this business back in, two th- what was it, 2001? 2002. 2002. Do you remember what the conforming loan limit was? I don't. Something less than 417. It was, I think it was like, when I first got into the chair, um, it was like I'll look it up during the break, but it was close to four seventeen, and then it was four seventeen forever. Yeah. And just this year, they finally bumped it off of the four seventeen number. So um, we're looking at this the the current market right now, right? And wondering as volumes are down and rates are up, is everyone going to make it? Um, there's some staggering statistics about the amount of loans that are originated right to the limit. Which then begins to suggest, and, and I'll, I'll share more with you about this after the break, but how many loans can be originated? The percentages of loans that get a first and a second that straddle the conforming loan amount, um, if they could change those loan amounts, that could be, and, and so that, that I think is maybe one of the predictions is that you want to figure out how this business can move forward and everybody can keep making more and more mortgages in spite of higher interest rates. It's by way of pushing up those conforming limits. There's so many people um, that need those higher loan amounts. Hmm. Anyway, we got to do the top of the hour breaks. So we got a five minute break. We got a whole nother hour coming with uh, myself and Dan. So hope that you'll stick around. Uh, let's do some calls next hour. What do you say? All right, guys, we'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. Rocky, you never seen Rocky or Fisher son. Uh, you gotta watch it sometimes. Why? It's just it's a classic. It's a I cult know. classic. Yeah. It's just like you know. It's just yeah. Why? I, I don't know why. Because I think it, it's one of those things. Because like, it came out in an era where there was only like five movies a year. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably offending somebody right now. That like oh, you probably are, but who cares? named their kids yeah. after people in that movie? Or yeah, something. Brad, and Janet, and yeah, uh-huh. Riff Raff and Magenta, and yeah. Anyway, wow, you are into well, it. Well, you've yeah, been, you've like yeah, been to the theater and yeah. thrown things at the right times and stuff. Yeah, like that. actually, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, good for you. 
All right, Jason teased it before the break, but we're here. We're live. If you want to call in and ask a question Please or do. share a comment, you can call us at 543-8830. We're just kind of meandering our way through the week's news and happenings and, um, you know, but we're more than happy to have your participation. We love that. Yeah. Somebody should call. Tell us something. Related to the show, please. Five four three eight eight three zero. By the way, yeah, good call. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about loan limits a little bit. Um, the the loan limit uh, has been four hundred seventeen thousand for a long time. This year it got bumped up to four twenty four one hundred. I've already done a few loans at the new limit. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah. It's in every, every investor's up to date on it now. It's in all the programs are all ready to rock. You can get that loan limit um, easily. So that 417 number is already a thing of the past. So Black Knight did this um, data compilation. So they show that um, there are approximately 17 times as many loan originations um, which is roughly 100,000 re- um, originations in the past 12 months right at the conforming loan limit um, as compared to any of the other preceding dollar amount buckets and that originations drop off by about 70% when you go immediately above that limit. In addition to that, the um, data shows that a, a one of the Fannie or Freddie loans to that conforming loan limit um, when you do a loan right to the limit, it's nine times more likely to carry a second lien than one that is not. And um, so basically what they cooked down to at the bottom of this was saying that um, simple analysis shows that if you raise the conforming loan limit by $10,000, it could result in a 1% increase in originations, which would be um, about $20 billion worth of new business. Of, of loans being done. Well, doesn't it? I mean, it's uh, the conforming loan limits always kind of been a strange thing to me to apply this, this, um, you know, just this number. They just, I mean, hey, we'll just let's use that number today and we'll apply it to the entire country where there's clearly home price discrepancies throughout the country. You get on the coast. You get the closer you get to Alaska, oceans, <laughs> Hawaii, and then yeah, Guam. You, you already have these couple of places that do enjoy a higher loan limit. But why Hawaii, Alaska, and Guam? Why not? <laughs> why not include California, the, the New York, on that where there are also very expensive homes? In fact, are there really expensive homes in Alaska? There can be. Okay. Sure. All right. I'm just curious. I've not been there. I don't know. It doesn't strike me as a place where you'd find a lot of million-dollar homes, but maybe. Well, it could be that you consider their wage up there, too. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's, it, agreed. It's it, a weird thing. I mean, why not thing. have a loan limit by state or by county or whatever so that you're capturing the median loan for that actual area rather than trying to assign this this limit that encompasses the whole country because well, the whole country doesn't have the same housing situation. You remember the birth of 
for Fannie Mae, it was called the high balance loan, right? Um, and then Freddie Mac, the what did they call it? Super conforming. Yeah. So, and this was a response <clears throat> by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, to attempt to patch a piece of the market that was desperately missing and and really causing significant problems. Which is jumbo financing, which is offered by private well, banks. Yeah, and not only that, but um, you remember back in the, mm. the day of like the Alt-A loans and the subprime loans? All of my Alt-A loans was, you know what the loan limit was on a first for the nation on an Alt-A loan? It was 650000 mm. There was an adjuster for loans greater than 650000 At times, there was adjusters for loans that were small, 50000 75000 125000 You might pay a little bit more for those because they're smaller, but... He basically went through, you know, a decade or so of letting people get these loans for up to 650000 all over the place. And at the same time, you have that really false price because of the, the liar loans, the negatively amortizing loans, all this false affordability created unsustainable inflation in, in home values. And so, so many people then bought with these... Alt-A loans, these were non-A paper loans that easily went to 650. And then when those programs and banks vanished into thin air overnight, you had all these borrowers that are left holding the bag of, okay, well, I owe $490,000. And the Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan, the only loan left standing, caps at 417, what am I to do? You, you brought me into a housing market that's now limbed and the rug completely yanked out and there isn't a loan program for me anywhere. So what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac did was based on those MSAs, like you're describing, trying to get more into the local market, they came up with regional maximum loan amounts that were basically 125% of the median value for that MSA. And that's how San Luis Obispo, um, we were at 561.2. Now we got bumped to what? 586.5. But down in Santa Barbara, it's still... It didn't change. Yeah, it's... 625.5. 625.5. And that's clearly a more expensive market. So I get all of that. All that makes sense. The one thing that I'm struggling to understand is in today's environment anymore... What's the value in a maximum loan amount anyway? Mm -hmm. We've nailed down the collateral. We've overly scrutinized the borrower's character and ability to repay. We've gotten rid of, we put in new licensure and auditing and all of these different things. Why now, if you're perfectly qualified and you meet all of the requirements that we have, why not let us fall back and govern by debt to income ratio and equity and credit and why have then an arbitrary loan cap i got a answer for dan here okay is that okay yeah Uh, okay alaska it's the the it's on par with the with the u.s average 176,700 according to this uh, thing on uh, smartasset.com but uh but if median home price yeah but if you go but if you want to go into a city like uh, anchorage it's going to be the median is anywhere from uh, three hundred forty-five thousand to three hundred thirty-nine thousand. Also, uh, in Juneau, it's three hundred thirty-nine thousand. 
Homer is about 254,000 and Fairbanks will be on the low side at about 199,000. I think you're you're kind of reinforcing my point here of why does Alaska need a higher loan limit when the median home price in San Luis Obispo is um, upwards of 500,000? I don't know. And you're talking about 100s, 200s mm-hmm. and 350,000s in Alaska. Kind yeah. of weird. So to yeah. and and now let's roll that back into your point here of why have a loan cap at all? I wonder the same thing. Think about the jumbo loan. I mean, I so I'm starting to go down this. Oh well, maybe it has to do with risk profile. Why do we want to take on all these large jumbo loans that might r- make the pool of loans more risky that the but public can... is ultimately on hook for? And then I go to wait a second. But jumbo loans are some of the best loans out there because they have. They require more equity. They require a lower debt-to-income ratio. They require incredible reserves. I mean, sometimes as high as 24 months reserves. So maybe Fannie Mae and Freddie come back and say, okay. They just need to adopt those guidelines. If you borrow more than $700,000, you must have 12 months worth of reserves in a liquid account. And you can only have an 80% loan to value. Yeah. So they'd be so easy because, you know, for those of us to do this for a living, we know that there's different equity and reserve criteria at different levels anyway. So it'd just be a function of figuring out how to how to best serve as opposed to not. And, and it would help bring some standardization to a segment of the mortgage market that doesn't have it currently. Yeah. Right now, it's basically up to the institution offering that jumbo loan to come up with their own criteria because under Dodd-Frank and the qualified mortgage rule... They have to maintain a stake in that loan for the life of it. Um, I mean, I guess it just seems like it could be something that could be that could be part of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac lending is jumbo loan amounts. Adopt some jumbo guidelines that are more conservative, so you don't feel like it's a more risky loan or anything. And yeah, it's it's a weird thing. The loan limit things always confused me a little bit. It's strange. It seems it seems outdated to me. But yeah. Unless you're in Alaska, Hawaii, the Virgin Islands or Guam. When you get special consideration. Right. I get the Hawaii one. The other ones yeah. I don't really understand. I mean, yeah, and we just talking median home prices in Alaska. They don't need the what is it? Like $600,000 limit when the median the highest median price you mentioned was 350,000. In major yeah. cities. And so that was Anchorage. It's just weird. It's a no. weird thing. It seems so arbitrary. I always say, always looking forward to what's going to happen in the business next, because it's it's really a wild ride, especially when you do this for a living. And one of my favorite things is never underestimate self-preservation. And I'm telling you, if volumes slip, the banks start making less money... What do they do to, to to not die right there on the vine from the top down? That desire to to preserve oneself will lead to crazy measures. And we saw it before. I mean, this was basically how we competed to do the worst possible loans you could ever do. Hey, guys, if you have a 760 credit score, you don't actually have to prove your income. You can just tell us what it is. And then we're like, all right, that was that worked pretty good. We got a lot of good business on that. It was easy business. So 
people with 720, that's pretty good credit too. All right, everybody, we lowered that credit score guideline from 760, which is hard to have a 760. It's down to 720 now. So you too don't need to prove your income. And I mean, and by the way, when those first started out, that convenience thing where you're, you don't want to inconvenience your clearly well-qualified buyer with having to bring in all that documentation. Then it turned into, you know, lenders were sitting there were going, well, hey, wait a minute. They won't even ask to see it anyway because you have good credit. So let's just turn this into stated income, you know. And and then it degrades all the way down to at the end. Um, I was at Countrywide in 2006. We had one. It was literally called the Fast and Easy and on the fast and easy now, you could get fast and easy findings if you had a 660 credit score. That became the minimum. And I remember, um, man, the fall. Because when it first started, those the fast and easy loans or the reduced dock loans or the A paper light. I mean, what were the clever names? You remember oh, them. Yeah, there was stated income. But it was stated income, stated assets. No income, no verified income. assets. The yeah. Neva. No ratio. Yeah. No ratio. The no ratio was a big the one. The no dock. Some people called it the ninja. Yeah. No income, no asset or no income, no job, no asset. Yeah. Something like that. The ninja. So crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, all that stuff is gone now, but if things start getting tough, it's not gone. It's out there. Well, and technology's clients... caught up now too, because like we were talking last week so much about this idea of the day one certainty program. Um, so today, if you come in and go, I don't want to bring you my paychecks and W-2s and taxes, you can get all that anyway. You're right, we can, and you have no opportunity to misrepresent that anymore because technology is there. Whereas back in 2001, guy said, you know, I don't want to bring you all my stuff. You have great credit, so you don't have to. I make $30,000 a month as a landscaper. Deal. We like, there just wasn't a good mechanism to be able to go and prove that that was untrue. Yeah, we used websites that tried to approximate income for certain titles in certain regions. Right. So it would give you a best guess of, oh, people in this zip code with that title get this amount of money. And then as an underwriter, you know, you're just like, well, if they're within like 20% of that. Yeah, it was like salary.com or something. reasonable. What can an IT, you know, an IT manager in the Silicon Valley make? Um, you know, and then and, you go to the website and it's like IT manager one, IT manager two. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. It just says IT manager. Well, I know because well, he's been doing it for three years. He must be a level two. Well, I'm by looking. Now. I'm looking at my application though, which is a stated income. He just gets to declare it, and I'm looking for something to try to throw in the file to say oh, this is why we thought that made sense. And so we go well. My guy just said he was an IT manager, and we have IT manager one, two, and three, presuming that you start out as a one and work yourself to a two and three. My guy's got to be a three. And then basically what it was was almost like the bell curve. So it would tell you, like, all right, at the very high end of this, this dude, like, super dynamic. This guy's awesome. $150,000 a year. And then... Bloop. Everybody around him is making a little bit less on one side or the other. My guy's making 190. So you're like, oh man, that's it's close enough. 
Why not? I mean, that's what he needs to qualify. So if he could qualify, we'd probably be doing one of the loans that had paychecks. I mean, how many of those loans do you think probably the reality was that dude was making seventy grand a year? Too many. Not even close to what was being represented. Yeah. So today, like you said, I, I mean, I'm claiming that it's gone. We know that it's not because there's some non-qualified mortgage stuff that falls outside of the regulatory scope of like the kind of loans we do where you can get those kinds of loans, but you're seriously talking... Seven, eight, nine percent interest. Yeah. Um, in fact, and I'll tell that you about. Bank has to maintain a stake in the loan, so they can't get too crazy because they'll go. They'll have a problem as well. I'll tell you about a non-qualified mortgage loan that I worked on this week. Huh. I, I mentioned it to you briefly the other day. Um, these people own a house in a Tascadero, and. They worked for different companies, right? It was a husband and wife, and they both got laid off, like, right at the same time. So they lost all of their household income, and they were unable to make their mortgage payment for, like, a three-month period. They were attempting to get a loan modification or forbearance agreement. They just were desperate for help, but you fall behind on the mortgage, you know? Like, what... What do you think's an average mortgage now? Twenty five hundred bucks a month, three grand a month, something like this. For new buyers, yeah, it feels like right around three grand. So call it three grand. You fall behind for three months, you owe nine thousand dollars. So now when you're back in the you're back on payments, right? Okay, guys, we got new jobs. I can pay you the three grand a month now. Okay, it's three, but you owe me nine. And with the penalties and late fees on it now, you owe me 12. Mm. And so I'll put you on a two-year repayment plan where you can pay me the three grand you owe me plus 500 bucks a month to catch me up because at the end of the two-year mark, now you will have paid back the 12 grand you owe, right? So now that buyer is like paying 3,500 bucks a month and they're late, right? You got back on track. I'm paying you today, but you have what's called a rolling mortgage late that's going with you for years on end. So your credit score is just getting hammered and you're struggling to catch up. There's a lot of people that are in this boat, by the way. Um, so anyway, this was one of the deals I worked on this week. You want to know where the dust settled. I told you a little bit about this. One of the investors that we work with has a non-qualified mortgage. So this is not one of the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac type of deals. This is a private money type of setup. Um, so the goal was, so if these people could refinance, they would, their payment would go down so dramatically because we would pay off what they owe, which is including that back amount of money. They would get, um, into a new loan that is reamortized over 30 years. So it would save them a bunch of money, basically take them out of this tremendous amount of pressure they've been in for years in a row. Um, but here's the problem. You can't refinance into a Freddie Mac loan or a Fannie Mae loan today with mortgage lights. You can't get really any loan with mortgage lights except for one of these crazy, you know, non-qualified mortgage loans. So the offer is, and I don't know if these people are going to prove to do this or not. I told them to really carefully consider it, um, for the good and the bad because, the interest rate is 7.25%, and they have to pay two points to get that dirty rate of 7.25%. But what it does 
It pays off their loan completely. Catches them up. So now they're no longer being marked late. On right. their current plan, they have a year and a half left of lates. Their credit is going to be marked late every single month for another year and a half. So then once they're caught up, that you can't have a mortgage late in the last 12 months, sometimes 24 months. So they'll be caught up in a year and a half, and then they're going to be sitting there making the, the normal payment for another 12 to 24 months, hoping to refinance then. So what this deal does is allows them to refinance today and pay that thing off. It's a it's expensive. It's a crazy loan, but the credit rates stop today and then the idea is they would refinance in a year, right, with no more mortgage rates into a normal loan. So those deals are out there. The reason I bring it up is if you're in that position, this is not the kind of thing we're out marketing. This is a really unique situation. If you're in a spot like this, our, um, and this is what I ended up telling this gal the other day was like, hey, look, I have an option for you. I'm not proud of it. It's not, you know, I, I didn't write these guidelines and I'm not the one setting the interest rate on it. It's expensive and you need to know what you're getting yourself into because here's the other thing. What if in 12 months or 24 months when she's ready for the new loan, what if the rest of interest rates are at six or seven percent? I don't know if they're going that high, but what if they are? Then you very well could be on this path forever, whereas if she stays in what she has, and yeah, her credit's going to stay late and stuff, but when she finally catches up, then she at least has the deal that she has, which is less than 7%. So anyway, it's, it's something to consider, but at the same time, if she stayed on this path of late's and problems and yeah enjoying a lower interest rate but she's paying but a lot more because she's catching up and it's killing them and ne never be able to borrow for a car sure. never be able to get you know a new credit card with rewards so you could get free airfare or yeah, something if you want to yeah. get new appliances and get that zero percent for 18 yeah. months you don't get that well and then how about the stress of it too yeah oh yeah like, that's probably the worst part of it all the all of the stress of it and that thing is like you know eh, for anybody that ever went through a short sale or a foreclosure or a bankruptcy or something major like that, um, I have talked to so many of these people. You know what they really want more than anything? Just to be out from under it. The Get burden. it behind me. Yeah. Get it behind me. You know, it for all of the reasons, and you can place blame, shuck blame, point fingers, whatever. You know what you want? I want it to be behind me because... You know when I'm going to feel good about it again is when there's a lot of real estate between me and that day. I don't want to feel like I have this active problem. I want it to be years ago. And the only way it can be years ago is if you can get it done today. So, you know, that was what I ended up telling this gal is like, hey, I, I will do this for you if you want this. Um, I really want you to completely soul search. So that's what they're doing over the weekend. They're going to talk about this and, you know, I suspect drink a bottle of wine and try to decide, you know, what the overall best course is. But, um, yeah, so there are some of those kind of loans out there. If you're in that really hard spot, you know, where you need to explore every option. Right. And I like, I like the way the structure is currently where you have those loans that accommodate people and, 
tough situations that the government and agency loans don't allow for. They're not a part of it. And I like that the the institution making that loan has to maintain a stake, so they can't just make a bad loan and then sell well, it yeah. off and not have a stake in it. And I you like know what? That. It, when you look at it like you when I said, well, in the interest rate seven and a quarter percent and you got to pay two points, that's crazy. That's so expensive. But this is the thing. This is what happens in the private world where the risk and reward have to be equal. The person that's going to loan you money, you currently are behind on debt to the lender you have today. And they're going to come in and loan you money, believing in you that you're going to make it right this time. There's a premium to be paid for that faith. Yeah. Unless it's grandma loaning you the money, they want to know that the risk they're going to take is going to have a reward that's better than sitting on the sidelines or better than loaning somebody with perfect credit all this money for a 4% rate, right? Yeah. So that to me, that's what a market does. It finds somebody willing to, you know, someone that needs the product and somebody willing to accept the risk for the reward, right? Hey, guys, it's 1032. We are going to take a commercial break and we'll come back with another musical reminder that it is uh, time, time, change. To, <laughs> time to change your clocks. Tonight. Another musical reminder. <laughs> another musical. I like that. All right. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 0183960. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
right. Here we go. We're back. We're live. Got about 25 more minutes with you today. Such a nice day outside. It's beautiful, isn't it? What are you going to do today? Got a few projects around the house. I was out of town last weekend. Went down to Ventura for a wedding, so I didn't get anything done. And I've got some things I need to do. Change some clocks later on today. Got to change some clocks this evening. (laughs) Got to change some (laughs) clocks. Yeah. Um, Little League opening day today. Oh, cool. So at 2 o'clock, I'll be out at the field to watch my boy. He's going to be the starting pitcher. Awesome. This Tucker's got the year where he's like the biggest, strongest, oldest dude on the team. So he's looking forward to that. And then at um, 4.45, the Atascadero Jazz Band is playing set at Cuesta College for a jazz festival. Cool. So I'm going to go out there and watch my older son play in the jazz ensemble. Very nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Very and then cool. I and then I it's going to be 80 today. Yeah, I know. So then I am hoping that I'm going to be able to be back home sometime around sunset where I intend to sit on my back patio and watch the sunset in the North mm-hmm. County in some beautiful evening air. There you oh, go. No barbecue plan for maybe the... Yeah, I got... I have a variety of ways to sear red meat, and I intend <laughs> to do so. All right. Maybe we should go to Dorothy or yeah, let's, Park. Yeah, we've got Dorothy waiting patiently, calling from Baywood Park. I have a question about years ago, I guess it was under George W., there was some type of a rebate that came in or four or $500 from the government to people. I don't know whether it was something to do with um, income tax or some retail refund. And lately online, which can have fairy tales, I know. They say there's a plan for some kind of a rebate check coming out to the public. Is that true? Oh, I haven't heard much about that. It was, we, we talked were just about talking that about one last the rebate. week. Yeah, last week. That was part of... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear last no, week. No, no. that's. I, it's a great, great reminder. Uh, it's just coincidence that we happened to be discussing it a little bit last week. But that was part of the... Was it the TARP? Um oh bailout that it ended up being some couple hundred bucks to all Americans and we were wondering if that was yeah an effective way to use that yep it was in 2001 and there was a um a tax cut a 1.3 trillion dollar tax cut bill which sent um rebate checks out to American taxpayers for three to six hundred dollars depending on you know what your tax bracket was and right right i remember at the time i said this last week too but i remember at the time thinking man if 300 bucks really makes or breaks you um i would have voted for let let everyone in my city waive their 300 bucks and put it into like a lottery where the top 100 names drawn would get like tens of thousands of dollars i would have i would have that been fun i would have <laughs> bet my 300 bucks on that instead of going oh 300 bucks but as far as a new um, program like that i'm not aware of anything okay i don't believe it's, just, it's been coming through but you know lots of stuff comes through online that yeah there's a lot that of are fairy tales a lot of clever advertising out there 
I've seen a lot of promotion lately of, you know, the government wants you to do this before time runs out. And it's basically oh, like yeah. some clever ad to refi you into a 15-year loan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for calling, Dorothy. We appreciate it. Oh, By the way, it, I, I see those ads everywhere, too. Um, for the whole last administration, it said... Obama wants you to save money and pay off your home and do, you know, all these things, right? That's what that little ad was. I guess Trump doesn't have the same ring to it because now it's basically saying the government wants homeowners to... <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Whoever's marketing that was loving to use President Obama's name, but they do not want the association of Trump anywhere around um, that clever ad. And you know who it was actually that, um, I, I clicked on one of those the other day. I just finally wanted to see who it was. It was Quicken. Mm. It came up on an ad. I clicked it. It took me to a Quicken Facebook page and it was one of these things where the government wants you to pay your house off rapidly. If you owe less than 625,000, you know, don't miss these tips. So then I go and read the comments, and there were so many people that were angry. Like, the first comment that was most liked was like, yeah, right, like the government's interested in saving you any money at all whatsoever. Thanks, Quicken, for being liars, you know? And I'm mm -hmm. like, All of the comments that were on there under that Quicken page were all negative people that were angry at, like, the deceptive marketing. You know, it is frustrating, because we, we do these trainings all year long it's compliance training and one of the courses that we take in our in our ongoing annual compliance training is about advertising and it's very clear that in the mortgage world you can't be deceptive it's not allowed you can't represent yourself as some government agency or marketing some special government program when it's not and yet we see it all the time. We see these ads that are clearly deceptive. I get them in my mailbox all the time yeah. where the ads representing that they are my previous lender, which is my company. So I know that I didn't send myself yeah. an ad. Dan Podesto opened urgently correspondence from Central Coast Lending. Yeah. And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. And it's me. such a joke. And I, I see it all the time. Yet... It's so obvious and blatant out there, and these companies don't stop doing it, yet it's against the law. And it's, I mean, how can, who's tasked with with policing this and enforcing the, the penalties because it's not being done? The CFPB. Right, it is the CFPB, and they're not doing it right now. You can go They've make, never done it. Well, have you logged any complaints, Dan? No, I guess maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's just... It's really easy to complain. You need to be the whistleblower to get anything done. But it's frustrating that it's so blatant out there. A couple weeks ago, it's I gotta actually... It's got to happen to the CFPB people. Those people have mortgages, <laughs> right? Are they not getting the well, same solicitations that I'm getting? Well, probably not anymore. They're very well paid. <laughs> yeah. Dan's getting the same issues um, that I have. I have, like, I've been getting, like, uh, survey phones uh, calls, like... That I miss because I don't answer a phone usually if I don't know what the number is, but then I'll check them. Well, and then you call back and be like, you this survey is ended now. I'm like I'm on the do not call yeah, list. Who's I'm supposed to be, you know, monitoring all this stuff? You know, I don't know. It's crazy. A couple of weeks ago, I clipped out um, CFPB sends out this. Uh, I, I think it's monthly, um, but it's basically like a. 
think it attempts to be helpful, but at the same time, they're sort of telling you what they're up to. So it's a, it's a list of complaints by industry. And so you could go in there and see who the top five companies are that are complained about and then what the complaints are, um, what categories the complaints fall under. So, for example, within the mortgage world, they received so many hundred thousand complaints in this month, right? And then they break them out into percentages about what the complaints were related to. In the mortgage column, 48% last month, 48% of the overall complaints were people that were complaining to the CFPB. Um, They were in a servicing problem like past due, pre-foreclosure, foreclosure, believing that they weren't being treated fairly. So that was almost, I mean, definitely the majority of the complaints, um, that was the highest percentage, right? The rest of the complaints were um, complaints over timelines or change in, you know, fees or just different kind of things, probably the things that you would all expect. Um, and the companies that were being complained on were exactly the ones that you would think they were, you know, like you'd cash call. Yeah. Quicken. quicken um, <laughs> yeah. All those. And so anyway, that um, they did, they have complaints though for other um, finance institutions you know who gets the most complaints? Those payday loan companies. Mm. People are mad at those guys. Um, one of these guys that we used to work with listed me as a reference on one of those payday advance loans. And so I was able to like talk to them. I like got some of the details about it. They were doing like... So you take them your paycheck stub from your last check so they know what you're getting, and then they'll loan you some part of it. But then it was like 30% interest with all these fees. And then if you didn't pay it back, I mean, it was outrageous. And just like, man, you have to be in a really tight spot to do that. And then, of course, like it's like if if you didn't make it from that paycheck to the next one, how are you going to make it from that one to the next one? Because you're, you know, most of us, like our bills are are pretty constant. Um, tires for your car or like an auto breakdown in general or like a root canal. I mean, yeah. there's some little thing that can really nail you. Uh, but if that's what got you is that you didn't have enough reserves or other money available to you, like a credit card or something. Yeah, that's where you use a credit card if, I mean... If you absolutely responsible have to. use of, of a credit card, if you have to, yeah. yeah. But the man, those payday advance company, I cannot believe that there's even a place within the law. It it looks like just yeah. the definition of usury predatory. and predatory <laughs> lending to me. I looked at it and I just thought, oh my goodness. I and I guess if you're you understand that, and but the thing is, is that. It's like you're just preying on the desperate nature of the person that that is before you. It's like, oh, it just seems so unethical. It's hard to believe it's legal, but even if you have a high credit percentage, you know, the percentage rate on your credit card is high. It's usually not. More yeah, than, it's have, not more than 30% usually. I recently just got a yeah. um a new credit card, a yeah. rewards card, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
um, was yeah. one of these things where like if you if I spend seven hundred and fifty dollars within three months on this card, yeah, that I get these outrageous rewards, and so I'm like, oh, I'll bite. I could use yeah, some yeah. rewards. Yeah, um, but yeah, it said that the. Um, the maximum, because you know, you get kind of that truth and lending page now on your credit right. card. The maximum that it could be was twenty four point nine nine percent. Yeah, dang, that's a lot. That is a lot. Not compared to those payday yeah, advance payday things. I'd rather pay that than forty percent. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to. But With all, but that, but then that's the other yeah. thing, though, is if you can't pay it back. Yeah. within the like on the next friday yeah then it kicks it into these like basically default rates from there yeah. with penalties and stuff yeah. at least on the credit card they'll give you as much time as you want and sometimes <laughs> and they'll collect give you, their yeah, interest yeah. rate happily right and sometimes they'll give you a, a sometimes they'll give you a a uh, grace period too yeah so sometimes wild yeah oh boy um I'd hoped that we would be able to talk about the, um, you know, I I passed some tests this week. I'm now an expert in the um, construction world, the one-time closed construction loan. Mm. So now I'm prepared to talk about this for um, people that want to buy land and build a house or own land and want to build a house, place a manufactured home or a modular home. Mm-hmm. We can do all of those. Did you know that we can do all those things? I did. I did. Did know you that. do your construction uh, classes yet? I yeah. I've, well, I'm well, an expert. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. Be interesting to see. You know if if there's how much of that business there is around. I know there's a lot of interest in it because we get calls on construction loans all day, every day. Um, so there's. I think there's a need. It's an area. It's really one of the last pieces of the mortgage market to come back. You know, for a while there, we were missing jumbo loans. For a while there, we were missing second mortgages and equity lines. Those I want to all come back. Now I want to build myself a house. Like, and I'm even saying, even if I had like a contractor do it, the idea of a newly constructed home that I could participate in what I want out of it. it laid out the way Not, you like. And I'm, because I don't want to remodel, you know, and I, I, Go look at all the stuff that you like or whatever. Yeah, for example, like a, at my new house, um, we're lucky enough we have a dining room, right? It's a it's a formal dining room, um, but it's a little bit shorter than what I would have done if I, I was. It's like it's sort of an awkward length if you put in you know a seven or eight foot table with a chair on either end of it by where the doorway is and then the wall someone's sitting in the hallway yeah kind of <laughs> or you like are shoving the table out from under the so the light is centered in the room but then the only wall where you could put like we have one of those i guess you call it a buffet where you put like your china and stuff in the thing over there it's on the only wall that it can go on and that's what forces the chair and table then off center from the light. And then, so I, I look at the thing and it's like, mm-hmm. like I said, we're lucky enough that we have a dining room, but I thought already thought to myself, man, if I ever got to build myself a house, I would want to like do that math in the dining room, you know, and same thing. Like I always, how many times have you ever like looked at the bathroom in your house and thought about like the wasted square footage? Oh, I don't have wasted square footage in my bathroom. Well, you... my my five foot by nine foot bathroom, we maximize that square <laughs> footage. <laughs> well, at my old house, we had um, 
in the master, there was no tub. It was just a shower, and it was fine and everything. But the room was bizarrely sized where you could maybe have done it different. Like if you put the toilet in a different place, and then you you probably could have put a tub shower type of thing in there. But instead, there was like this 8 by 10 area of floor that just – it was just weird. And – it's on a slab. I'm not going to remodel and move a toilet on a slab. So you just eh, get what you get. So anyway, if I was doing construction, I really think that I would want to go room by room and really understand and maximize the way that I want it. You mm -hmm. know, the kitchen. I want to have a double oven, right? I want to have an island with water in it and, and electricity in it. All of those kind of things and, and do it in the way that you really want to do it. So that's what I think like the opportunity is in doing a construction loan like this is that you can you can scratch if you're ready for it, you you can scratch up a house just how you want it. Two walk in closets if you want. I mean you just whatever your desires are, you could do it. And so um anyway, I we have a loan for that now. Um, we've had some construction loans in the past, but, um, man, I remember back about the man room with the rock wall in it. There it is. Man cave for like climbing, like a climbing is, wall, you know, something like that, you know, whatever. I don't yeah. know. Or just like the Madonna caveman room thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Just a so, man room. That's yeah. a man room. If you can dream it up, you can build it. Right. Um, I remember when we very first started the show, you know, I always told you guys, but I I grew up the son of a builder, and so that was what I I've, I've been aware of is tradesmen, you know, and the way that those guys go through the cycles. And one of the things that ended up happening in that last real estate cycle is that every company they they tripped over themselves to offer these one-time close construction loans, and companies that weren't even any good at it. We're doing them, but it was everywhere and it was cheap. And then they vanished like crazy. And then we went through a period where if you needed a construction loan, good luck. I mean, for a little while there, back in like 2009 and 10, you remember like we'd look at the replacement cost on an appraisal. You couldn't even build these homes for what they were selling for. Right. Like the, you just add up the price of the two by fours in them. At this point, even used, you could disassemble these houses and sell the parts for more than they were selling right. for. A primary reason why we didn't build for a long period of yeah, time. Yeah, there was no, there's no way to make any money on it. You couldn't even sell it for what the materials were, let alone all the other costs and fees. So today we're back to a point where you can. You can build a house and, and probably even build yourself a little bit of equity. Um, but my point is, is that um, there are companies now that are emerging and ready to do construction loans again. It's getting to be a little bit more common. Um, we had done, signed up with a new company and did all the training and got all rolled out to be able to do a one-time construction loan. I can do one of those loans today. Um, and then by the end of the week, we got hit up by another one of our investors that is incredibly reputable and well experienced in construction lending saying, we've got a slightly better offer for a desire to have this. And when you called me with that info, all I could think was like, it's back. Yeah. 
it's back now. It, it, we're heading into that period where getting construction financing. Um, I mean, what's the answer to the housing shortage? Build a few build more. A, build a few more houses, and so around here, you know, depending on what part of the county you live in, you could get yourself um, probably an infill lot or something like that. So there's land out there. It's not. Um, it's not everywhere. I always look in a Tascadero. There's a lot that would be just perfect, but um, most of the lots that are for sale are like on a crazy hillside or tucked into the top part of what is going to be a canyon. And I look at that stuff and I just know well enough to know, well, then you're going to have crazy insurance issues. So, But I see a lot of that kind of stuff, that infill opportunity in my neighborhood in Morro Bay. I see a lot of lots, you know, for right around 250 grand that, you know, some have views, some don't, but it's, you know, spread throughout the city and there's opportunities there to build your own your own home. And now with the one-time construction product that we have, if you own your lot, then obviously it would work for you. If you need to buy your lot, this can help you buy your lot. Um, and, you know, one of the strategies seemed like it might even be a little bit easier, but would be if you could buy your lot with seller financing. So close escrow on it, owing the seller money, and then pay the seller off using the the one-time closed construction loan. Um, and that that's basically what the initial draw is on the loan as it goes to pay off what your land loan is. So um, The only issue that you'll run into with the one-time closed construction loan around here especially is the loan limit cap, which we spent a good deal talking about right. today. Because they are the agency loans. It's your FHA, VA, USDA, and conventional. All of those loan categories offer a one-time close option. And so you're just going to run into those loan caps because you pay 250 for a lot. You got to build the house on it. You know, what is it? 200 bucks a square foot, 150 bucks a square foot. Kind of depends on depends on your taste. It depends on your taste, depends on your contractor. But you can quickly reach those those loan limit caps. Yeah, you're still going to have to have some skin in the game. You know, yeah. and invariably, whenever we talk about this, I'll get a bunch of calls from people saying, well, we've been looking and can't come up with anything and we'd love to build a house. So can you talk to me about that? If you're like a 5% kind of borrower, 5% down kind of borrower right now, this isn't for you. Um, by and large, you're 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 going to need to have some money into the deal. And oftentimes, because of those caps in our county, um, I would suggest that probably reasonably you need to be in a spot where even if you acquire the land and you're able to put fifty or hundred thousand dollars down on the land, that would probably be enough to do it. But you're going to have to have something. You're not going to be able to get into a deal like this generally um, without something more than like that minimum down type of thing. But anyway, if you want to chat about it. If we, if we caught your attention because you've been thinking about doing construction. Some people bought lots 10 years ago and could never finance them and have been sitting on them the whole time. And so I'm telling you today it's back. So if you have that, if you want to talk about that or really anything loan related, you can call me this week at the office. The number is 543-5626 or find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Um, that one number rings all of our offices, and uh, any one of our staff would be happy to take your call and answer your questions. Guys, thanks a bunch for being with us today. Next week, we'll be able to tell you what happened in the Fed report. Um, so enjoy the sunny weather. Enjoy the beautiful Central Coast. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week.